welcome to the New Zealand Initiative podcast. I'm Michael Johnston. I'm joined today by my colleague Ben McIntyre. And we've just recently completed a report on streaming in New Zealand schools. Now, Ben, what did you know about streaming before you started this report? Admittedly, very little other than my own personal experiences having been in a school that streams here in New Zealand and also in a school that doesn't stream in France. So prior to actually diving into the research and reading about it and, and educating myself, the only thing I had to go on was what I experienced myself at school. Yeah, I suspect that's true of, of most people. There's a diversity of practices around New Zealand in this regard. I went to school in the 1980s at a school that streamed only one subject, that was mathematics. And of course, we know there are schools that stream everything. Some schools stream for all subjects. So if you're in the top stream, you're in the top stream for everything and the bottom stream for everything whereas others will stream differently for different subjects. So there is a diversity of practice. That was one of the things that came across. Mm -hmm. I think before we continue, it might be worth just quickly defining exactly what streaming is at its most general terms. So streaming, of course, for people who may not remember or didn't go to a school that streamed is simply the practice of taking students and placing them into different classes based on their attainment. So if we, if we take maths as an example, if you're very good at maths, you do maths at top level, top stream, and if you're perhaps struggling a bit more, you might be in the middle or the lower streams for it. That's the general principle, and as you've just touched on, there are many different ways to approach streaming and to do it. And in general, as you say, the decisions will be made on the basis of what students have learned in the past. And one thing that we have to be a little bit careful of is not to conflate that with some generalised notion of ability that's right. The difference between attainment and, and ability that you touch on there, you know, what a student may have learnt up to a certain point is not necessarily reflective of what they can do. And it's important with streaming to make sure that we don't place students into boxes where we assume that because of where they are right now, that that's going to be the same for them relative to other students the entirety of their time at school. Yeah. So let's turn to some of the evidence that we looked at in putting this report together and you started to read the literature before I did and I think you started with the New Zealand literature. Yes. I did. And that's largely I think because well our motive for writing the report was largely that some commentators have called to ban streaming in, in New Zealand. So some particular researchers who you delved into who'd been calling for that. Yeah, and I'd say that being broadly anti-streaming or critical of streaming is quite a common position to have within the New Zealand literature, both within academics and within academia rather, and with other research groups. Perhaps most famously and most recently are the two different reports by the Māori advocacy group Tokonatiraki, who are based down in Christchurch. The first one ending streaming in Aotearoa came out in 2020 and Kokiri here came out this year in 2023. And yeah, the last one calls for a ban on streaming. By so why do they want to ban streaming? So their hypothesis is that streaming is, instead of allowing for the targeting of different students' needs, actually exacerbates the difference between advantaged students and disadvantaged students. And in turn, this disproportionately affects Māori and Pacifica students. Because they're more likely to be relegated to lower streams. That's correct, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so if you read their reports, they go through the experiences of Māori and Pacifica students, particularly Māori, with streaming and highlight how students in, in those lower streams are often made to feel like they're less capable, often feel only represented in those lower streams, and that therefore they were not given the same opportunities going through school as students in the top streams were, who were much more likely to be Pākehā or Asian. Right. I guess there are a couple of things to unpack there. I mean, the first for me is that we know that in New Zealand from a multitude of data, 
that there is a socioeconomic effect on educational outcomes. That is, students who are more socioeconomically advantaged tend to do better at school than more disadvantaged students. And some of the reasons for that are quite intuitively obvious. They're more likely to have highly educated parents who can assist them with their schoolwork or notice when there's an educational problem and get something done about it. And the general issue of cultural capital. And of course, Māori and Pacifica students, unfortunately, are more likely to be in more disadvantaged socioeconomic strata. So in in a sense, they're behind the eight ball from the start and likely to end up in low streams for socioeconomic reasons rather than necessarily ethnic or cultural ones. Yeah, and I think there you've touched on essentially what the debate around this comes down to because... Tokura Taraki will argue, actually, no, a lot of this is targeted towards ethnicity, and they will point to experiences of some of the people they've spoken to who've gone through and were made to feel like they were less capable because of their ethnicity. And there is some academic evidence that we've surveyed that does suggest that might be possible. Right. Now, as you just touched on, it's entirely possible as well that the cause is actually socioeconomic and that streaming, and this is the counter-argument, is actually reflecting pre-existing inequalities that already exist. So if streaming isn't the cause of these issues, it's simply showing that these issues exist in the first place. So if you were then to target streaming, you wouldn't actually then be targeting the root causes of this inequality, and therefore you wouldn't actually improve the situation. That's the counter-argument. Right. And actually in favour of the argument that Māori and Pacifica students are particularly disadvantaged by streaming, we in the report discussed the phenomenon of stereotype threat. So for listeners who don't know what that is, which is probably most, this was a phenomenon first discovered in the 1990s in American schools where some researchers found that if students who were subject to negative stereotypes about their educational achievement were exposed to those stereotypes in ways that activated them, they could become self-fulfilling prophecies. And we might see streaming as something that can inadvertently do that. So Māori and Pacifica are maybe stereotyped as not being good learners, because of data showing that on average they don't do as well, albeit probably mostly for socioeconomic reasons. But if they've assimilated those stereotypes, then they can be activated by being placed in a low stream, causing potentially their achievement to deteriorate further. Yes, or, or in simple terms, if you, if you tell a child that they're dumb, they may well start to believe you and act accordingly. Yeah, uh, and to be fair to the schools that stream, I'm sure that they're not telling explicitly the kids in the low streams that they're dumb, but it's all too easy to get that idea or, or that you're not a capable learner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got, yeah, I doubt there's many teachers who will hopefully anyway look at the students in the eyes and tell them that. But So, so we need to take seriously the possibility of activating negative stereotypes or just kids of any background having their sense of being good learners undermined by being placed in in lower streams. But we did find as well some ways in which those kinds of effects can be counteracted if streaming is implemented in a way that's careful. So what were the typical findings from the international research on how streaming is implemented? So the problem with the international research is that a lot of it isn't generalizable. And this is a point we make in the report, right? So something that you find to be true in England or in Norway or in the United States isn't necessarily going to be true anywhere else. One thing that came through pretty clearly with the research is that if you stream and then the quality of both teaching and curriculum for the lower streams is inadequate, then you exacerbate differences or you run the risk of exacerbating differences. Right. So the issue might be that 
schools take an attitude that, you know, these kids aren't going to learn much anyway, so we won't bother giving them good teachers or we won't give them stimulating curriculum. And then if we find that the streaming seems to have exacerbated the gaps between the highest and lowest achieving students, it might not be because of streaming itself, but because of those neglectful practices for the for the lower streams. Yeah, absolutely. Conversely, there is some evidence that shows that if there isn't a problem with the teaching and there isn't a problem with the curriculum, that you don't tend to find those same outcomes associated with streaming. Now, that doesn't mean that streaming is working or not working, but it does mean that you don't always find those associations between exacerbating pre-existing inequalities and streaming. An an interesting example actually is Hong Kong, which streams over 90% of all its students, and they have excellent results across the board for both lower and higher streams. Right. What's interesting about Hong Kong, though, is that almost all of their students go to private schools who theoretically then have access to more resources, better teachers perhaps, and the schools themselves will have the tools to be more targeted in how they teach their students, which is not necessarily the case if you're doing that in a state school system. And there are some lessons as well, aren't there, from schools who, or school districts often in the United States who have ceased streaming and some of those ventures have been very successful mm-hmm. and others not. And there are some markers that come along with successful de-streaming, which are often extra tuition and, and workshops and so on, and a change in the, in the teaching philosophy. And importantly, the view that all students are able to access the curriculum that had been previously reserved for the higher streams. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, with the de-streaming projects in the United States, because they... I think highlight one of the key points we make in our report, which is a lot of these findings aren't generalizable and you have to take into account what the specific context is around the use of streaming in a school district, a school itself, or even a country. So if we we dive a bit more deeply into those examples you just gave, Evanston High School in Chicago stopped streaming and did exactly what you just said. They increased the amount of teaching time they had, they changed the resources, they changed access to curriculum for students in lower streams, and they had, frankly, incredible results where they uh, students who previously were failing and leaving school with essentially nothing were getting their diplomas and finishing high school and being more capable than they were compared to the students in a similar situation when they did stream. For every example, like not every example, but for, like, for examples like Evanston, you also have examples like San Francisco where the opposite happened where they stopped streaming Tom Lovelace writes in more detail about this but they stopped streaming and they did change slightly the access to curriculum but they if I remember correctly they didn't actually change the way they were teaching it and that made differences between high achieving and low achieving students worse than they would have been had they continued streaming and we know that because the rest of California continued streaming and to be fair their results also got worse like there there was an increase in inequity between the most advantaged and disadvantaged in California as a whole but the rate of... But not by remotely the same degree. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and so that really calls into question to an extent whether it's streaming itself, which is the, the, the problem, and it plausibly is when we consider things like stereotype threat, or whether it's things like the provision of good teaching and curriculum. And certainly one of the things that I think is absolutely essential if, if a school is going to stop streaming is that it needs to take very seriously how it's going to pace learning in a classroom with students who are at different stages of, of curriculum development. Yes, and I'm, I'm glad you touched, you touched on it not necessarily being streaming because if you look at the meta-analyses of streaming, so basically these very big studies that synthesise all available data over a set period of time, so there's a few that do it for over 100 years in the United States and things like that, more often than not they find that the actual effect of streaming 
is zero. Like it, it doesn't the overall effect. The, and, yeah. and that's because perhaps positive effects for higher stream students are cancelled out by poorer effects yeah, for absolutely. lower. Zero lower doesn't mean that yeah. it doesn't do anything for anyone, it, but it does mean that they cancel each other out. And it, that would suggest to me that that implies that streaming is only one part of a much, much bigger picture and it may essentially have no impact whether or not you do it or don't do it depending on the quality of your teachers and your curriculum and how you uh, help students who need the most help. Right. So given all of this rather convoluted picture, why might a school want to stream if there is this kind of risk of exacerbating educational differences, even if we don't know that it's due to streaming itself? Is it a risk worth taking? Well, it depends on the school. It depends on the school and the resource it has available. There are arguments in favour of streaming. Proponents of streaming will tell you that if done properly, it'll allow to you to target the needs of each individual student. Perhaps a good point for you to talk about cognitive load theory and how that can impact learning. Yeah. So in some subjects, especially things like mathematics, where the learning hierarchy is very steep, and what I mean by that is that to make progress in a subject like mathematics... We need to master one level of learning before we can build on it. If we don't do that, then what we call working memory or short-term memory can become overloaded, which results in feelings of confusion and demotivation. And I think it's a reason why a majority of adults don't feel like they're very good at mathematics because at some point in their schooling, they've had an overwhelming experience where everything just seemed confusing. And that's normally because something that's necessary to make progress has not been appropriately solidified before we attempt to to build on it with new learning. And I guess in the streamed environment, it's easier for teachers to make sure that cognitive overload of that kind doesn't happen, because if students are all at a similar stage of learning, then it's easier to pace things so that nobody gets left behind. So in, in subjects like mathematics, if not elsewhere... I think there is a good argument for streaming. That doesn't mean that a, a teacher, a skilled teacher, can't do that in an unstreamed environment, but it, it certainly raises challenges and I think calls into question the wisdom of a blanket ban, which would throw teachers in the deep end potentially. And I'm glad you brought up teachers because there are a multitude of surveys that found that a lot of teachers are often in favour of streaming or have a neutral approach to streaming because one of the perceived advantages is that it's easier for them to manage their classrooms. The idea being all of the students are approximately at the same level, so it's much easier to tailor teaching and therefore easier to prepare the next classes and so on and so forth. Those surveys themselves are debatable because there are more recent surveys, such as the ones produced by Tsoko Nateraki, which show that a lot of teachers actually either have no real opinion of streaming or don't like it and that's usually as a result of being exposed to different studies and that sort of stuff so that's not a clear-cut case either but there is an argument made by some teachers that it is easier to manage classes if they are streamed and in theory if it's easy to manage classes if they're streamed and a school is doing streaming in such a way that it either has no impact on student learning or maybe a slight positive one then that would be a very strong argument for continuing the practice right so in new zealand it seems like most commentators are fairly much opposed to streaming whereas when we looked at the international evidence it seemed a bit more equivocal than that but what about the New Zealand evidence itself? Well a lot of the New Zealand evidence it suffers from 
a lack of generalizability. So it's very heavily dependent, usually, not always, but you, very heavily dependent on surveys, qualitative findings, small-scale reports. And o- often asking teachers about what they think about streaming rather than measuring its actual effect. Yeah, yeah. and you know, to be fair to New Zealand researchers, it's, it's, it's difficult to do a very large study in this sort of things, especially if you're working with you know, very real constraints about budgets allocated to your academic department or anything like that. So of course it's not, it's not a case of just snapping your fingers and going out and doing the perfect study. But there is a bit of a problem with doing these sort of smaller scale studies or being overly dependent on one type of evidence, in this case, qualitative evidence, and then using that and then uh, and then confusing that for causal proof and going on to therefore claim, oh, well, you know, uh, we, we surveyed these teachers and they didn't like it. Therefore, it must be bad. Well, you didn't actually measure performance. What, what or, it does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And. In fact, we asked the Ministry of Education what they know about streaming in New Zealand, and we found that it isn't much. We, we do know from the PISA data, the, the OECD's PISA testing round, because they do a survey of schools as part of that, that it is a widespread practice in New Zealand. But we don't know exactly how many schools are doing it or which ones or how they're doing it. And the ministry doesn't hold any of those data. Yeah, so that was a, an interesting discovery we made is that, you know, the, the OECD knows more about our education system than the ministry does, it seems. In, the, in, the, in, in, the, in, in respect in, of streaming, In respect at of least. streaming, for sure. So yeah. according to the OECD, the 2018 data, which is the most recent we have currently, 83.5% of all secondary school students are streamed for some or all subjects. And that jumps up to 95% for mathematics. So we know we do it a lot. And we know that almost every student in this country will have been streamed or is being streamed for some or all subjects. When we asked the ministry, we asked them, what data do you have? We asked them to tell us the data according to things like what years are streaming, what school types are streaming, is it by gendered schools, is it all schools, is it only for some subjects, what subjects in particular, basically any question we could think of we asked in terms of like how are you measuring streaming and its impacts. And all of our questions were rejected after official information requests on the basis that the ministry doesn't track this data. So the reason the ministry gave was we have a very devolved education system. Schools are controlled by their own boards and therefore they're in charge of whether or not they stream and collecting data related to that streaming, all that sort of stuff, which is... Which is true, but that that doesn't obviate the need to collect data on where it's happening, how it's being implemented and what its outcomes are, especially in light of that international evidence that at least raises the suspicion that it can exacerbate educational inequality, especially for students from stereotyped minorities who perhaps suffer from a lack of learning efficacy and and are vulnerable to stereotyped threats, that phenomenon we discussed before. So wouldn't we expect our ministry to be more informed about the practice, especially if it's making noises about schools discontinuing streaming? Yeah, I think that's the the biggest issue I found with it is like, okay, it's all well and good to say you can't collect this data for this reason, but you can't then turn around and support work that has a clear goal, right? Like, it's, it's a the most recent report by Tokuna Teraki was made with support from the Ministry of Education, and it calls for a ban for streaming by 2030. So as the Ministry of Education, how can you essentially align yourself with a position but not actually collect the data yourself? That seems odd. If, if nothing else. Indeed. So I guess this brings us to the recommendations of our report. So we're not suggesting going along with 
a ban on streaming for reasons we've we've already discussed. If we if we just made a blanket ban, it's likely to do more harm than good, right? Because if schools are forced into the position of de-streaming, then their teachers are unlikely to be prepared for it, and they may not be resourced to make the changes to teaching and curriculum that the American studies show us are necessary if we're going to benefit the students who are currently potentially disadvantaged by streaming. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think just to prevent any <laughs> counter-arguments made after this podcast, groups like Tokonateraki would tell you that the move to ban streaming by 2030 includes a plan for schools to follow in order to reach that goal more quickly and more soundly. Of course, that assumes that every single school in the country buys into it in the timeline that they expect every school to buy into it. So you will end up with schools that don't buy into it quite as much. And then if there is a ban that gets brought in by 2030, then we'll end up with the exact scenario you just described, where schools are not ready for it, are adequately prepared, and therefore don't do it properly and potentially make things worse. And of course, the ministry are quite right that schools are self-governing. And so a ban on streaming would be against that kind of self-governing regime and philosophy. And I think you're right that buy-in is a very important aspect of this. And I think that the jury is still sufficiently out for us not to be too unequivocal about the real effects of streaming and that we really need a New Zealand-based study, a large-scale one. And that is our main recommendation, that the ministry commissions a study like that to find out in detail what's going on in New Zealand schools, what the effects are in different subjects, taking into account an array of socioeconomic variables. And we have every possibility of doing that with our integrated database, which connects up information for every New Zealander across a whole lot of different uh, domains. We We would be able to do a study like that and really find out what works and what doesn't. Yep. And uh, it seems there's no reason not to do it. And just to simplify the message ever so slightly, before we make any form of policy decisions around if or if not we should stream, we need to know how we're streaming, where we're streaming and what it's doing. It's as simple as that. And then we'd expect schools not to need to have a ban or maybe we'd find that it's working perfectly well when it's implemented in particular ways and then schools that weren't doing it that way could modify their practice. Or if we did find that just across the board it's having these terrible effects, then schools would presumably voluntarily give it up. Yeah, you'd, you'd assume so. I think that's the important thing to, to mark out with our criticisms of New Zealand literature in particular. So it's not necessarily that their hypotheses are wrong or that they're, you know, that they're not barking up the right tree or anything like that, but the proof doesn't yet exist. There's not enough evidence to make the conclusion that have been reached. If they're right and banning streaming is the, or moving towards schools not streaming, because as you say, they won't necessarily need to ban it from the top down, then that will happen organically with the right evidence. But it just doesn't, we just don't have it right now. Of course, that assumes that schools will pay heed to that evidence and it is true that I think both sides of the debate are are quite ideological about it and so it may be that even in the light of evidence there are people who really want to stick with what they're doing but I guess we can cross that bridge when we come to it because at the moment as you say I I don't think we've got enough evidence either way in the New Zealand context to to make firm decisions and the international evidence is that de-streaming can work if it's accompanied by the right changes to teaching and curriculum, but it can also go badly wrong if it's not. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those ones uh, which I find very interesting reading into this debate where such deep trenches have been dug on either side of the debate and people are either so vehemently against streaming 
or go to the grave defending it as an equitable practice. And neither side has evidence anywhere near strong enough to justify having such a staunch and unmovable position. Well, perhaps by the time this podcast goes out, we'll have a new government and perhaps we won't, but we will have a new government at some point in the next days or a couple of weeks and maybe a new Minister of Education will pay heed to this issue and ask the Ministry to undertake the kind of research that we've recommended. Uh, We can only hope. So thanks for talking with me today and, and even more than that, thanks for your collegiality in writing this report together and we'll look forward to seeing what kind of contribution to the debate it makes. Thank you for letting me write on this and see you all soon. 